About a year ago, we sat down with actor Curtis Crumby, who aside from acting, is a bit of a renaissance man. We spoke about his time in the Navy. In the Navy, when you use a bathroom on a ship, does it just eject into the ocean or what? Great question. I have your answer. His thoughts on men sitting down to pee. There are guys that are being forced by women to do that. I don't know if they don't mind it, but they can't do nothing about it. <laughs> his experience living blocks from Los Angeles' skin row. It's crazy it's stuff, man. I've seen some crazy stuff, man. It's rough, man. And of course, acting. I just hope that I have longevity in it yeah. and um, have success. You know, I, I, I love acting. We hope you enjoy this episode with the talented Curtis Crump. Hey, Peter, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm fine. How was your day, Eric? Nothing much to report. Whoa! And look at this wallpaper. And this some nice what? Air condition. <laughs> Smells nice. Man, I'd love to take a dump in this place, man. Pretty sweet. Look, what? Who, who's there? It's Curtis Crumby of the Clan Crumby. Oh, Curtis, hey. Curtis, well, why don't you have a seat? Let me uh, go in this. Okay, it's an empty stall now. Let me go down there and walk to it. Okay. I'll sit. You're listening to the Flush Podcast, where we solve mysteries of life from the bathroom. I'm Peter Bean. My name is Eric Long, and we solve all the problems. All the problems. Here in the bathroom. Here. Right here. And now, right here with Curtis Crumby. So you're a, you're an actor uh, living here in L.A. And living the dream. Living the dream. And uh, we've been friends for a while. Since, I've known you since August of 2004. I was thinking about yeah. that. We've worked, we've done a few of the, uh, the flush videos mm-hmm. together. Uh, a lot of those have been more of like... Improv. Improv That's stuff. improv. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, one was, uh, one was men sitting down to pee. We actually talked a little bit about it previously in, in a previous podcast, but, um, uh, so you, you were the, you were the, the husband whose uh, wife was forcing him to sit down to pee. Um, in your opinion, do you think that is something that, that loved ones, you know, in a relationship you should have a guy do? Um, no. But you know, uh, uh, no, lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina. He had a big crush on the woman that voiced the part. Curtis, you better not sit down or you better not stand over that car. He fell in love with her voice and stuff from that, but her being so, her her being so authoritative. But I know, yeah, yeah, he actually, it it was a turn on for him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it wasn't the voice exactly. Uh, Mishra Thomas did the voice. Uh, yeah. It wasn't the voice, it was just the authoritative. It was authoritative, I think. And and her (laughs) voice, she had a nice voice, but it's that, but I know this, it's gotta be, I know. Somewhere in America, mm. several places in America, unfortunately, <laughs> there are guys that are being forced by women to do that. I know in America, there are, there are men that are henpecked like that. And they don't mind being in that role. I don't know if they don't mind it, but they can't do nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say they don't mind it. I would right. mind it. Right. But right. they so can't Peter, do anything about Peter, it. Peter was, uh, uh, See, my household was four, four men or three boys, my dad and my mom. Yeah. So four male, one yeah. female. You had uh, two females. Two females, one male. And so I, I was never asked. You were, ne- were never that. asked to do that? Yeah. No. Because I, I have a friend that, that was, that they were, he was 
still to this day he has to sit down to me. See, but I think I think oh, which is, I never knew that it was a thing until I saw your videos. Yeah. Where it was like sit down to pee. Yeah. And then later on my friend told me, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I, to this day I sit down to pee." I'm, I mean, I, I, I so inconvenient. I guess you're growing up like I mean, you're a kid so you're the height to the toilet. You don't you know, you have aiming problems, but like you're not like you know, you sneeze. Tall. Yeah. So like you're tall. So like you will maybe spray or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't have aiming problems, but you know, I, yeah, I, I, dead I, shot. I, I understand. <laughs> I do understand the splash factor idea like that yeah. sitting down is less dirty. Like women who have asked that they're, they're like, sit down or you clean the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there was in, in that video, if you remember Curtis, the, I did some street interviews and <laughs> I remember and uh, this one woman, you know, uh, was like, no, he's going to have to sit down. Yeah, on I remember that. that. He's going to have to sit on that good toilet and he's going to have to pee sitting on the toilet because I do not want piss on my floor or around the base of the toilet. I sure don't. So therefore, he cannot stand up and use the bathroom. He needs to sit down on the toilet and pee. And he does that. Were you in a household full of Women, men. my grandmother, my grandmother, God bless that, my maternal grandmother. It was, it was her and the two girls. So it was three females. Uh huh. There were two restrooms. They had her restroom and uh -huh. her in the bad master bedroom. Then the one that us kids shared. No. Uh -huh. And my grandmother didn't play the radio. She, um, you wasn't you you wasn't peeing all over the toilet and not cleaning that up. Yeah. Um it wasn't gonna be no fecal matter in the toilet. We had a very clean house. house. Well she had a saying, anybody could be nasty. Mm -hmm. And it takes it it doesn't take that much, Eric, to be clean. So just the the other videos we did were um things uh uh things you don't say in the bathroom. <laughs> And uh, uh, yeah, things you don't say in the bathroom. And you were part of a bunch of them, of course. The donut and, uh, scene was funny, man. The donut scene was funny. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I my favorite was when you uh, you peeked over the bathrooms. Like, um, can I help you with? It? We did a lot of weird weird things. We were a lot of it was improv. Like we were just kind of in there doing stuff. Do you have like a weird bathroom story? Oh yeah, I have a weird bathroom story, and I was part of it, man. I, I'm kind of to blame <laughs> for it. I was like in junior high school. And I was skipping school and I was in JC Penney's. I went to use the men's room. And so I'm in the stall and I'm sitting like I'm sitting now. And then the guy goes use the stall at the very end. Mm. So I bend down to look. I'm looking up under the stall down the, down there. Yeah. And I'm looking cause I'm thinking, Hey man, you know, it was kind of quiet in there. Yeah. I said, let me see what <laughs> I looked down once. Yeah. Now I looked down twice. When I looked that third time, he was bending down looking at me, <laughs> staring back <laughs> at me. And I abruptly got out of there to get out of there. Cause well, I, may I ask you, why well, were you looking down? There? Just to make sure, you know, uh, um, the, it, cause I hear a lot of freaky things, particularly <laughs> like, you know, what guys doing that by the time, you know, I was a young teenager and stuff, and I'm just protecting myself and trying to be aware of my surroundings. <laughs> I was just being careful, man. But the dude was staring back on me on the third round when I'm bending down, looking oh, like that. Man. I said, I got to get out of Dodge, wow. man. If you're going to pee 
do you use? Well, first question is, do you use a urinal or a stall? I use a stall, bro. All the time. All the time. I got shameful bowels. Okay. <laughs> I heard I got shameful bowels. I can't, you know, I got a thing now. I noticed in my late 40s, I have it. I can't go to the bathroom when there's a bunch of men in, in the restroom. When there's a lot of noise and stuff, I need a quiet. I okay. need quiet. Uh, Actually need quiet. I hear you. I've been like, I think I was like that when I was like kindergarten. Okay. But I like quiet. If there's a lot of noise around me, outside of me, home alone. Yeah. And say if I got the music on yeah. and, I, and I turn the volume up, I know the music is playing. Yeah. And I, once, I remember one time I told my girlfriend of mine, my first girlfriend, she laughed at me about that. Because see, when it's like 10 and 12, guys, if I get that big star, now nah, I'm okay. But it's still all the noise bothers me for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there and I'm, and I'm looking at my penis. And I'm saying, come on, man, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta come on, hurry, get the hell out. Cause I, 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 I'm a, one of the, even rest, yeah, when it's a restroom, I'm in and out, baby. Yeah. I mean, I ain't spending no time and I ain't spending no too yeah. much time in there. Well, do you, if somebody goes in a stall next to you, are you like not gonna continue or are you just gonna like? Um, if I'm already, if somebody comes in next to me, mm-hmm. I'm trying to hurry up. Mm-hmm. Cause usually they, they about to do a bowel movement. Mm-hmm. I don't want to smell none of that. Now, do you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you? Do you also? So since you, so you, you stall pee. So which I, I stall pee. Yeah, I I think I'm not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. But do you put the toilet seat up? Um, the, usually the toilet seat is already up. Being in male male okay. bathrooms, yeah. we usually have this tendency to pull the seat up already. Yeah, but um. I'm a pretty good aimer, but what I do do, I'm very courteous. I always wipe. If I shot anything on the seat, I wipe it down and what have you. I never leave that. I never leave any of my body fluids on there for other people. I I, I respect people. You were in the Navy for how long? Four years. Four years. And uh, uh, on, on ships, right? Oh shit! Where were you? Uh, you ain't a real sailor until you sailing on the ship. I was on those. I was on those floating greyhounds for four years, nineteen eighty seven, ninety one, Persian Gulf War, baby. All right, nice. Well, so uh, I, you know, I guess I, a question that comes to me about mm-hmm. that is, you know, how were like the living conditions? Like, are they, like, are you you're. You're down bottom of the ship, like bathrooms and, and all that. It was, you know, looking back on that now, that was some of the best time of my life. Mm. It was very clean. Mm. My first ship was a small boy, was a guided missile fast frigate. And I'll never see, I can still remember, I can see him in front of me right now. Lieutenant Commander McNamara. That was our executive officer. The executive officer is the next man below the captain of the ship, the skipper. And he delegates all what's happening. He's the AD. Mm-hmm. He's the AD. He's delegating. And we would have inspection of messing and birthing every day. Of what? So he kept of, of, your, of messing. Messing is where you eat. The mess decks. Yeah, the mess decks. Yeah. And the birthing is where you sleep. And the birthing? The birthing. B-E-R-T-H-I-N-G. Birthing. Oh. Okay. And he would inspect it every morning with a right. flashlight. All right. And he's coming by. And he liked me. This guy. And I, I, I can say that for any executive officer, you want to be on his good side. Yeah. Don't never, never get on this guy's bad side. And he would go through each birthing 
You know, he had a burden for, um, I was in first division. That was both twins mates and stuff. Had a burden for the end, people engineering, people who were in damage control. They had all this, some of them lived together and he would go through and he see discrepancies. He hit it. He said, I want this done. I was on a train once and, um, I used the bathroom and, uh, you know, you flush the toilet or whatever. In this case, you could just see a hole right down out to the tracks. Mm -hmm. So it just went out right to the tracks. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the Navy, when you use the bathroom on a ship, does it just eject into the ocean or what? Great question. I have your answer. Oh. There is a collection tank mm-hmm. built depending on what style ship or model. It's this huge collection tank. I think the tank may be the size of this, of uh, your apartment, bathroom. of this bathroom. <laughs> of this bathroom bigger than the stall I'm sitting in people anyway um, beautiful bathroom right? <laughs> when it collects so much when you're out to sea they add something called CHT to it mm. it's a type of chemical eats bacteria it yeah, eats bacteria but let me tell you something I can see I can still smell it oh, too fuck. They have this release thing. I don't know where they release it from, but they hit this button or level. Or, and um, I used to do a lot of aft lookout. The back of the ship is the aft of the ship. And I have my sound power telephones on. And you see this stuff. It's like a yellowish, greenish type. Yeah, like a cloud. Yeah. Floating. You know. And the smell. Yeah. And they and they tell you that sometimes they warn you CHT is about to flow. Yeah. CHT. Yeah. CHT. With, it's it's just the chemical mixed uh, up with the manure. It yeah. eats up all the paper, the toilet paper, the uh, feces, the urine. It was something else, man. Uh, and um they would release it out into sea. But I guess it's all biodegradable. Well, yeah, I can't mm-hmm. be mad at that. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. a big environmentalist, mm-hmm. but like I can't be mad at that because that's all that's all body fluids. You know, it's going to get broken down. This CHT, I can't explain all the, the chemical properties of it, but it breaks it down. It's enzymes. It breaks it down. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that stuff gets broken down. Now, it's there forever. It's in some type of life form or dead form, but it's there. It has to go somewhere. Man. Yeah, but if you told me, like, they just shoot the poop and pee out the window. Oh, no, I, no. But if they, you told me that, I would be like, I'd no. Like, yeah, that's no. fine, actually. Have they, you ever fallen off a ship? Hell no. And that was something I always tried to avoid. I avoided that <laughs> going on board one. Yeah. Avoid the, um, 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 disembarking, mm. going on a game plane. Mm-hmm. You know, they train you for if you fall overboard, man overboard, and how to stay afloat. Yeah. And um, no, you don't wanna. No. You don't wanna fuck us. I, you know, I've heard stories. You know, guys, when you hit that water, water is very cold to begin yeah. with. You better be a pretty decent swimmer. I was a third class swimmer, but um, they have a test that they do for for um for Navy SEALs. They they tie your hands behind your back, and they tie your feet together. Your ankles together, and they push you. Yeah, they put they put you in the deep end, and it's like twenty feet deep. And what you have to do is go down to the bottom, feet touch the bottom of the pool, and you push off. 
Then you come back up to the top, put your nose just above the surface, break, take in some air, then go down again. Now they got a frogman underwater already watching you and yeah. stuff in case anything goes wrong. Another test they do, they take a dive mask and they drop it in the deep part of the pool. Like I told you, like that ring. You got to, with your hands tied, you got to dive down, grab it with your mouth and come back up, kick up and come back up. And, you know, so those guys, you know, I saw a lot of guys, not to see a lot of guys, but I seen some guys that couldn't claim that were regular surface warriors like mm-hmm. I was. Oh, I'm enjoying the seals. Let me tell you something. I got a Bible scripture for that. Many are called, but few are chosen. Like it's tough being an actor. I know. I love it, man. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I just hope that I have longevity in it and um, have success. You know, I I I love acting. What is the best thing about uh, acting? What 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 do you find so comforting? Being a storyteller, you know, um, people come up to me and they say, man, why don't you, you know, you need to learn the other aspects of the business, like be a director. or No, I don't want to be a producer. I don't want to be an AD. I don't. I just want to be a storyteller. Yeah. I just want to be in front of the camera telling a story. I want to tell the story of somebody or an event or something. I love period films and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I just want to be a storyteller. You know, maybe when I'm 70 years old, I might want to do. What the man in the stall next to me is doing, what you're doing, but um, I just I just don't see myself as a, a no. Nah, I just want to be in front of the camera. I don't think I'm ever gonna um, you know, I'm not gonna say never because things have happened to me in life where I never thought I'd be a school teacher, but I became one, and um, I just want to be a storyteller. Very man. fulfilling. You're being you you know you're hired and it's a job, mm-hmm. but I love it. And just, I, you know, I've already broken down that character and what's happening, the time setting and, and what am I doing? And I just get into it. And, you know, the thing that I in my early times before I just before I met Peter and I was explaining this to some family and some friends in acting, which I was right. And I was a greenhorn at the time. You're going to have 30, 40 people. Right behind that camera, there's a guy over there by, by craft service eating yeah. a donut. You mm-hmm. know, they say rolling, rolling for sound and stuff. There's this person. Right. Sometimes the camera's right here at your face for a tight shot. I blank all of that out. And I just practice. I just want to focus on two things. I want my lines to be clear and concise. And then I want to make that character believable to you. So I just blank everything pretty much out. And, and then when they say, that's why basically like when I go to a gig, I never eat. Never eat. Mm-hmm. I never eat before. Uh-uh. No. I, I have an empty stomach. Have service? No. Throughout the day? Throughout the, until I get settled in. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, and I, and I, and I sense what's going down. Mm-hmm. But like, um, say I was going to do Shakespeare in the park. Yeah. And, it, and it's opening night. I'm like a, I'm like a prize fighter. I empty stomach and I, hey, let's get it, man. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to see, I'm testing the audience out and stuff as I'm going through the blocking or bound stage, seeing what's going down as I'm changing costumes, filling that out, seeing how everybody's around me. Then I might think about food, but yeah. not really You're a little until they say it's a wrap. Yeah. Then I start, my appetite comes back. I just keep an empty stomach. What I learned doing Shakespeare in the park, like in Shakespeare is very hard. Um, Shakespeare to me has yeah. a type of um, osmosis type thing. 
you know, where like I talk like a brother. I have this, you know, the, a bit of a black vernacular. But when I'm doing Shakespeare in the park, um, you know, you start speaking like this and what have you. Yeah. yeah, it's like when I sing, it's, it's a, the only thing I can say that's close to it is Bob Marley's music. Uh-huh. When you start singing Bob Marley's music, all of a sudden you have that, um, it's a, it, uh, a, a patois, that patois uh-huh. of, uh, of a Jamaican accent starts coming to you and stuff. And so, um, but, um, no, um, Learning lines, I, I I learned at an early age that when I watched television, yeah, and I could see a, a scene on TV, and I see it a couple of times, I pick it up and I would do it for friends. Say, man, you got that down pat. How you do that, girl? You see, that's the thing is that the people that are willing to go through all of this, yeah. they are willing to go through a lot. Yeah, they think that stuff is magical that it just happens overnight, brother. Let me tell you something. Unless you know somebody or you got uh. That nepotism rolling with you, you got to pay your dues out here. But once you make it, tough times never last, but tough people do. Mm-hmm. You got to be tough, man, for this. Yeah, this ain't this ain't for the faint of heart. Yeah, and I came through the hard way, man. Skid Row. You you were you had an apartment down near there. Yeah, I had yeah. I, which I never wanted you to come down near. I always had them drop me several blocks. West of there. I really? never want him to come there. Hell no. Nah. I never want him to come down there. Man, I used to live among them savages, dude. Opposite yeah. the these, ends, man. These were savages, them. man. I seen, I seen some effed up stuff, man, wow. yeah. down there. Woo! I saw a wheelchair on fire on screen. <laughs> really? so, yeah. Fire. Wow. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was weird. Dang. I don't know what. It's crazy stuff, is. man. I seen some crazy stuff, man. It, it's rough, man. Yeah. It, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough part of time. I'll be glad to get rid of that junk. They, they need to get rid of it. But I well, like, like people mm-hmm. were saying that they're squeezing it. And they're going to get it. They're going to get Eric Garcetti and the mayor, Eric Garcetti and uh, Lieutenant and all, you know, they, they're going to be here, have to be held accountable, man, mm-hmm. because everywhere else is beautifying. Yeah. It used to be a time you couldn't go to Pershing Square. Yeah. Pershing Square was a death trap. Now you go through all that. Now they got the farmer's market on tomorrow, the farmer's market, mm-hmm. you know, then the farmer's market moves up there by city hall and stuff. They need to, they need, they need to tighten down on this, you know, mm-hmm. they need to tighten down on this because it ain't right. What they were, what's, what's happening down it's, it's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. It was a picnic when I was there. If I, when I would consider a picnic, <laughs> now nah, that place, that place really is a hell hole. And it's getting more concentrated as they, it squeezes. They need to get they need to get rid of that man, and then place the, the the whole county will be for the better man yeah. for it. They get rid of them missions and stuff. Man. Do you uh-huh. think like mm-hmm. the solution to Skid Row is like like you can't just move the homeless people out of there, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what what should they do? Uh, this is what they should. This is what they should do. Drug testing. First of all, yeah. drug testing to end a lot of that. How what I mean? Let me explain. I never really understood this to like a year ago mm-hmm. that. Drug testing. Like when I came to to LA, I had to go on welfare. That was very hard for me because mm. I worked. You when you met me, I was working. Yeah, and stuff. That was very hard for me. I had to swallow my pride and I had to do it. But I did. Like they said, I learned. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Okay. Drug testing. What they should do. You guys work every day, and pretty much you pay into society. Mm-hmm. Welfare is. The people who are working and you're, you know, through their charitable, your welfare, they're helping you to live. Mm-hmm. 
What happened in Skid Row and around around LA, not just Skid Row, you got people taking that it was 221 in cash on the on the card, EBT card, and around two hundred dollars food stamp. Yeah. Now I came up in a time when they had paper food stamp, the books. I remember the books. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on that. Okay. And um you got guys, what happened? People going to the long shark, giving an EBT card. Mm. And you done gave away $221 for $50 worth of dope. Right mm. there, let me know you're a fool. See, right. right there, you let me know a fool. This stuff got on to the radio, KFI, John and Ken. Mm. They start, bro. Then Channel 4, ABC, everybody got wind of this. This is mm. back in Villa Garosa's time. Mm. They got wind of this, man. What they need to do? You want food stamps? You want? I don't know if it's two twenty one. Let's say you want the two twenty one. You got to come in for drug testing. Mm-hmm. You don't pass it, you don't get it. Um, that area is too valuable. The white man is not gonna let that area. I'm just gonna I'm just I'm gonna run, run it down to yeah, you. I yeah, can't yeah. run it no plan than what it is. Yeah. The nitty gritty. <laughs> white man ain't gonna let that stay open too much longer. Right. All of those the midnight mission, um Skid Row Housing Trust, SRO, all this stuff is going by the way of the pterodactyl. Here's what's dooming it. I didn't realize this. 2016, I'm riding down, heading east on the 60 bus, 7th Street, heading to the city of Vernon. Once you cross 7th and Alameda, it's all white. They done went and took them old um, buildings, factories, apartments, old slums, gutted them out, refurbished them, and you have young, white Productive, not saying they're all white, but basically most the majority of them are. Mm. And they're living up there. When they hear these words from the stall in his bathroom, when they complete the seventh and eighth street bridges, and they get those bridges completed, I saw the artist's conception of what they got planned below near the near the um LA River. Uh-uh. It's going, people hollering about gentrification. They ain't seen gentrification. Yeah, you know what? I'm all for gentrification when the area that you've been using is not being put to use. When I came to downtown Skid Row, there was dozens of places around downtown area, old abandoned parking lots, weeds growing all through it, um, buildings all boarded up. It was eyesore. Ten years later, you go there now, if in a condo or a new apartment is not on it, it's a base camp for TV and movie or a parking structure been put on mm-hmm. it. And it's, just, it, 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 it's the system is broken. Mm. You know, the assembly, the California assembly that they got, this, the assembly, this, this L.A. assembly, the city hall and stuff, they need to get that fixed, man, and all that stuff, all that disappeared. Eric, wherever I go, uh, Peter, wherever I go, always carry myself in a certain way. You know, I'm never obnoxious. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go out there being in trouble because, see, there is this perception, which I don't have to tell you guys, of people of African race that um is very bad. And, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, there are some people who look like me that 
propel this type of stuff. Ignorance, Mm -hmm. all ignorance rules the world. Ignorance rules the world. And so, but what I do, always carry myself in a good light. So even if you don't like me, I don't care if you don't like me. I'm not Willie Loman. I don't Mm -hmm. want to be liked. I want to be respected. Mm -hmm. Because see, if you're not respected as a human being, Eventually, the people who are disrespecting you, gonna, gonna, they're going to kill you. Going to say, you know, and especially if no one cares. Mm-hmm. And no one cared about these poor unfortunates. I'm just speaking about the 100 million people that were taken from the jungles, savannas and forests of West Africa. Mm-hmm. And I always try to carry myself in a good light in their memory. And I know mm-hmm. they're proud of me. Yeah. Well, you you've always like you talk about being like an ambassador or something, mm-hmm. you know, being, being on the up and up, like you've not only been that you've been more passionate a person than when you walk in the room, like you change the, the environment, you know, uh-huh. you're such a positive person. I try to be, so, man. I try yeah. to be, you yeah. know, cause I think about my grandparents every day and what would they have wanted me to be? Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't want me to do anything less, you yeah. know? And I, you know, I try to, yeah. Do the right thing, man. Yeah. Do the right thing. Don't, don't do nothing stupid. Hey, man, I've been sitting here for a while, over an hour, man. I'm feeling some tingling in my toes and stuff. It's time me to get my black ass up. So, listen, I'll catch y'all at the brother's out in the street, plant your nine. Dig you later, Eric. Dig you later, Peter. Love you. Much love, man. Peace out. Oh, oh man. Okay. Yeah, you're leaving already, but you have a lot of stories. So Bye. Things to say. Uh... All right, well. Uh, all right, then. All right, Eric. I guess. Uh, all right. Uh, so, I know that I'm not as interesting as Curtis. No, you're not. But uh, I'll see you later, man. Uh, yeah, I guess we should get back to work or something. I hope he finds uh, those bathrooms he's looking for. <laughs> this is a nice bathroom. It is a nice bathroom. Yeah. It smells good. It does smell good. Yeah. Uh, well, this was The Flush. Thanks so much, uh, Curtis, for joining us. Um, you can see all of his stuff on curtiscrumby.com, right? Uh, right. Yeah. And you're on Instagram now. Find Curtis on Instagram at Actor Crumble. All right. Well, thank you. Welcome. You can uh, watch all, all the podcasts on wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can go on theflushed.com and listen, um, get our book, um, look at weird posts. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends.